prayer. The very idea seems audacious, revolutionary, full of wonder and mystery. An invitation to speak to God, to seek, to knock, to ask. Like a little child climbing into father's arms, prayer is an intimate and personal experience. It's about opening your heart to a loving God, a good father, the one who truly knows you and truly loves you. Prayer is trusting him with your worries and fears, your hopes and dreams, your needs and desires. It's about carrying all life's burdens, big and small, before the throne of God and resting in the limitless peace of His extravagant grace. So pray without ceasing. Pray for each other as you would pray for yourself and praise Him for His faithfulness because there is power in prayer. Well, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, those of you in the live stream, it's good to have you along. I'm Jeff. This is Nina. We're the lead pastors here at Genesis Gathering. So great to have each of you that are in the sanctuary this morning worshiping with us. Thank you very much for, for being here and making that effort. We're going to continue in our series entitled Prayer, Being Formed by Presence. In the first message, we talked about... <coughs> presence, not acquisition, that the, the purpose of prayer is presence, not acquisition, not trying to get something. In last week's message, we discussed whether or not sin affects answers to prayer. You'll have to listen to that message, please do. And this morning, I've entitled my message, Out of the Closet, Into the Secret. Out of the closet, into the secret. I hope I got your mind going there on that. So, oh, Nina says she'll be back. So, okay. We want to engage with you right now over a question that we're going to pose. Those of you in the sanctuary, please get out your phones. You can text us or we can bring you the microphone. It's, of course, easier to manage if you do text us. And for those of you in the live stream, please, right now, start uh, getting your phone ready. You can chat with us on your device in the chat window that you see there, or text us at 720-878-3323. All right. Good morning, Jeff Peter. Yes, and I understand Tammy's watching, said and, to tell everybody hello. Tammy's watching, yeah. yes. Good to have you along, Tammy. Hey, have you read the question yet? Well, no. You want me well, to do get, that? Let's get with the program here. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, do I have to do everything? <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. So the question this morning is, what number one thing would you change about prayer in order to enjoy it more? Interesting question. If we could get an audible voice from God, that's what I'd change. I'd like an audible voice from God. <laughs> 
How would that be? No? <laughs> that doesn't work that way? Imagine all the gyrations you'd go through questioning. Now, was that God or was that just me? Was that the devil speaking? Or, you know, gee, it would just be a mess. Well, do we do that anyway? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think we do at some point. Okay, so the question, what number one thing would you change about prayer in order to enjoy it more? Anybody in here have something they'd like to respond? Grab your phone, text us, 720-878-3323. Or if you're here, we'll just come to you with the and microphone. And we're also managing... Uh, monitoring the chat window here. You can write in the window where you're watching us. There's a chat window. If you don't see it, there's a show more button that you have to click and then the chat window will come up. And then it asks you for a name to validate, you know, before it allow you to chat or to type. You can even make one up if you don't want to be identified. That's just fine. Jeff Peters said that I stole his answer. Oh, Sorry. Okay. Well, sorry. <laughs> anyone in here? We're not getting anyone on here. Anybody here? No, no nobody sending a text thing? yet. I probably stole everybody's answer. Well, so last week, I'm going to tell on Jeff, Jeff, who's watching and is with us uh, every week via live stream and uh, is one of our faithful members here and has always been in the sanctuary involved and in attending for decades actually that he has known us and he normally is in the sound booth and then developed a complication medically in his body to where he's not been able to join us so thankfully over live stream last week he submitted an answer to a question that we were having problem reading or understanding, and I, I sent it back to him. I, I said to him, um, uh, Jeff, why don't you just go have a beer and see if you can figure out a way to rephrase that? <laughs> <laughs> so this morning on the way to church, he sends me a picture. He says, already had my beers this morning. I should be able to text clearly. And he's got two empty beer bottles in front of his monitor. <laughs> I understand those are actually IBC root beer bottles. Oh. I got, I got the lowdown on this. Yeah, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know Jeff to be a drinker. Uh, Lisa sends her good morning. She's watching from oh. Texas. So Jeff did have an additional answer to the question besides an audible voice, which is an immediate answer to prayer. That'd be one thing he'd change if he could, mm. an immediate answer to prayer. Mm. Can we talk about that? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> Nothing's coming to my mind. You know, sometimes he puts me on the spot and man, I'm ready. Other times I'm like blank. <laughs> an immediate answer to prayer if, well if god immediately answered yeah. everything i've ever prayed for yeah i'd be in a mess because as time went by sometimes a few hours sometimes a few weeks sometimes a couple of years i i begin to realize and recognize the wisdom and favor of God in not having done it the way that I wanted it done. And so there's a certain sense where 
if everything I said out my mouth as a, quote, prayer came to pass right now. Well, that's one Plus, there'd be some people dead. Well, I think, I think God's answer Jesus, to prayer, I think, I think there's a different way of looking at if God answered prayer, like he would talk to you about the prayer, not necessarily give you, or he'd give you wisdom, okay. like, like, well, Lord, what do I do about this job situation? So there'd be a greater clarity in God speaking and, and answering and talking with us about it right now. And I'm afraid I'd be one of those people who might be dead if he got answered. <laughs> Okay, don't tell me you've never had marital problems. All right, Mo- <laughs> moving, moving right along. Again, we invite you to dialogue with us. You can use your phone. You can uh, go out to the website, pull up uh, on your device right there, pull up the uh, live stream and type in your text into the chat window. Those of you that are watching by live stream, chat with us or text us at 720-878-3323. Okay, one more time. What number one thing would you change about prayer? in order to enjoy it more? Or is there some tangent to what's already been said that this has struck a chord that you'd like to mention? Okay. Hold the mic real close. Patience. You would change patience? Yeah, I would change prayer to that when I do it, I have more patience. Greater patience. Do you mean patience to stay around and keep praying? Do you mean like instead of praying for 30 seconds, you'd like 30 minutes? Or do you mean patience in hearing what God is saying? Patience in hearing what God is saying and believing that just because it's not immediate does not mean that he did not hear me. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely goes along with what we've been talking about here. Well, and Debbie, that reminds me of a scripture in Hebrews, actually. You have need of patience so that after having done the will of God, you might receive what was promised. And she's going, yeah, that's why she wants to have patience. <laughs> you know, that y'all have all heard, haven't you, that don't ever pray for patience because then you're going to have opportunities in your life that require oh, yeah. patience, right? That's a difficult prayer to pray. (laughs) Okay. um, Lewis responded, the strength to 110% believe without a doubt that what I ask can happen for me. That kind of gets back to what you just said. About, I'm not so sure we want those immediate... Maybe, maybe later on we might be going, well, maybe that wasn't the best prayer. But the good ones, we want 100% belief. We, we know a lot of prayers that we pray, have prayed that needed an answer right then. And for whatever reason, it, it didn't happen. Healing is most often the kind of prayer we pray that we're needing and expecting that we'd an like answer to have right 110% now. Yeah, belief. absolutely. Yeah. Well, Carol, and how beautiful that was, yes, Carol. I did you. not know that song at all. Don't believe I've ever heard it. Um, the fact that you chose that in relationship to a personal struggle is really, really important for us to do. You know, there's, there's a... Um, 
there's a process that we're learning in being a worship, worshiping community to choose songs that you know and that are familiar and that are musical and so forth, and we're working on that. And uh, that song was brand new and had never heard it, but it was related to something so very important going on in our life. And so I'm really glad that you chose that song. And that we can all relate to. And, and I think it helped a lot of people this morning. Yeah, I think it was very powerful. God's going to turn it around. For you, God's going to turn that thing around. Okay, so Bob says this is an interesting thing. Prayer is not a Google search. <laughs> what an interesting thought process. Prayer is not a Google search. Ah. Patience is a virtue. Yeah. Meaning patience is a good thing? Yes, patience is a good thing. Yeah. <clears throat> That's that cliche that we've all heard, patience is a virtue. But if he means patience is a good thing. Patience is actually a fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm as is love and joy and peace. Paul said it's a fruit of the Spirit. And so as we are filled with God's presence, patience increases. As we yield to presence, patience increases because we, we settle into his presence and we're less concerned about the answer. We're more concerned about uh, just fellowshipping with him. And he's, he is faithful who has never suffered us to be tempted above what we are able, but with the temptation will make a way to escape. And that doesn't mean just a moral issue. The, the word temptation there isn't referring to a moral issue. It's referring to the trials of life. So he's never suffered you to go through something um, that you're not able. Let's see if this is, is that, somebody is wanting that to God get a hold calling of or? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not God. Well, you know, all these answers are speaking into what I know your overall theme of this prayer uh, of this prayer series is about. Yeah. I, mean, I think when we say the word prayer, the for many of us, the most the first thing we think about is asking, asking for something. And I think what you're talking about is turning around the concept of uh, prayer is many things. There's many things to prayer. It's not just one thing. Exactly. And, and asking is part of it. But I think that's the first thing we think, whereas what you're working on, and yeah. I'm probably you're going to get into more today is, and you just said it here, mm-hmm. is it has more to do with, like, if I'm talking to you, and the time we spend in relationship together, that prayer is about our relationship. Yeah. Yes. If, if, if all Nina did was ask me something, like ask me to do something, it wouldn't be much of a marriage. It wouldn't be much of a relationship, would it? For you that are in a serious relationship of some sort, would... I'll leave that set. <laughs> okay, I, I have one more unless anybody else has okay. got something to say. So regarding the whole concept of patience, this is what Jeff Peters says, but that doesn't work in a right now society. In other words, it's very hard to be patient because we live in a right now society, and that's that a very right. good point. Very good point. Anybody yeah. else? La- kind of last call. Last call. Last call, and then... I think that's it. 
Okay, I don't see anything else in the chat window. Well, as I said, this morning's title is Out of the Closet into the Secret. Our text is taken from Matthew's Gospel. Join me there, chapter six and verse six. But when you pray, go into your inner room. Now, the King James Version says your closet. Shut your door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Again, many translations use the word secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Out of the closet into the secret. I actually have two teachings for you today, one regarding your identity in prayer and one regarding the content of your prayer. Here's today's big idea. It comes from Baxter Kruger. I quote, it is not about you inviting Jesus into your life. It is about Jesus already including you in his. You see, the single greatest secret to enjoying and receiving in prayer, keep in mind, he sees us in secret, he rewards us openly, is knowing that you are included. And I'm speaking to you watching me by live stream, even after the live stream is over in weeks and months to come, you will see this message. And I want to tell you, the greatest secret to enjoying and receiving in prayer is to know that you are included by God. I was in a conversation recently where the subject of eternal conscious torment came up. We use the word hell often to refer to that. I think it helps to describe it a little bit. I think if we're going to talk about hell, let's be sure we understand what we're talking about. It isn't just a theological term that we toss around as Christians. It's eternal conscious torment that for some, God designed. He developed it because he's pissed. And uh, unless you do the right things and believe the right way, he's going to take out his anger and his wrath on you for eternity in conscious torment. Now, I have a question about that since we're talking about our identity in prayer. How do we tell others that God loves them? That he's included them into his love and his promises? That he hears their prayer when and if they fear going to eternal conscious torment because they haven't believed the right way? You see, nothing theologically is hindering our prayer. But prayer is hindered by what we believe psychologically and how we relate in our attitude to God. Is God a good God? See, we often hear, you're not good enough. You've sinned. You didn't ask with enough faith. Boy, when that is a constant barrage against your mind, how can you pray with a positive attitude of prayer or faith, I should say, Here's a key scripture about prayer. You wouldn't think so at first reading, 
But that's why we're talking about identity and content in prayer. John chapter 10, verse 27, look with me. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Listening to God isn't difficult. Hearing God is not difficult. He is constantly talking. He's constantly chatting it up with you and me. It's my disposition, it's my mental attitude, it's where I'm at psychologically that prevents me from hearing God, not the fact that he is not talking. I've heard people say, you know, God is being silent right now. I sure wish he'd talk to me. No, you cannot find that anywhere in Scripture where God is withholding his voice. My sheep listen to my voice. You know what that implies. Not only is he always talking, but you know how to hear God. I have taught whole series of messages five, six, seven, eight messages in a series on how to hear God. You know, if I were to teach that subject today, it would be a lot shorter. I wouldn't have as many messages. <laughs> because Jesus very simply says, my sheep, listen. You do know God's voice. You hear his voice. You belong to him. Would you say that out loud? I belong to him. I, I hear my father's voice just fine. Tell me something. You that know me fairly well, and I've called you recently on the phone, or we've spoken. Did you know who it was when I said, hi, Mary? Or did I need to say, hi, Mary, this is Jeff Corson. I pastor Genesis Gathering. <laughs> Jim, the last time I called you, I think it was just in the last week or so. Hi, Jim, this is Jeff Corson. I'm, I'm your pastor. Was that necessary? No, why? Jim knows my voice. See, you know the voice of Jim. Stop saying it's difficult to hear him. He doesn't believe that. The greatest secret to a deep, enjoyable life and journey of prayer is you're included already in his voice. And we're relying on the faithfulness of Jesus, not our own. Recently, I texted a friend that God had put on my heart. Hey, just thinking about you. I love you and your spouse and I treasure your friendship. I want you to know that Jesus has already prayed that prayer you're struggling with. Jesus has already carried that burden that's become overwhelming. Jesus has already tackled and lived perfectly through that compromise that you're wrestling with. Jesus has already taught that next lesson or preached that next sermon that now weighs on your mind. You are in him, and he thinks you're precious. May today be filled with all the rest and peace that you know in your heart is the experience of the incarnate Christ within you. In text. And they wrote back almost in tears. 
How often do we hear something like that from somebody? And I didn't say anything new. I actually just affirmed who they were and his faithfulness to them. God's not left us to ourselves. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14 through 17. Let's, let's look together. This is from the New American Standard translation. Starting in verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this. Now watch this. That one died for all, therefore all died. Stop. Hold it. I'm going to ask you to look at it again, then we're going to take it down because I want you to pay attention and not read ahead. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded, this is a conclusion now, he's concluded this, one died for all. Who was that? Therefore, all died. Now, how is that possible? Who's the all? Just Christians? Just those who believe right or the way that you do? Or is he talking about humanity? One died for how many? And who would you say that is? If I told you Jesus died for everybody, you would say, well, that's humanity. Well, he continues, therefore, all died. All humanity died. What are you pointing at, sweetheart? Oh, let's put the scripture back up just so you can refer to it there. Are you seeing that? He says, this is the love that controls us. Here's, Here's what love is about. Jesus died for every human being, and therefore every human being died in Jesus. Verse 15, and he died for all. Why? So that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, watch this now. Whenever you see a therefore, ask yourself, why is it therefore? Whenever you read a therefore, it's telling you that what follows is there or going to be said because of what previously was said. Therefore, Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. We recognize no one. How many is that? Is that the all from the previous verse? He died for all, therefore, all have died. And so, we, we no longer live for ourselves because he died and he rose again on our behalf. Therefore, because of what he just said in verses 14 and 15, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, we don't see him that way any longer. We choose to see all humanity differently than we ever have before, we're going to see them the way God sees them. Watch this, verse 17. Therefore, in other words, because of what he said in verses 14, 15, and 16, therefore, 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? I've always read that as a condition. Therefore, if. Therefore, if. Therefore, if. Well, now, wait a minute. Therefore is referring to the previous verses where he just said Christ died for all, all died in him. Don't view people according to their humanity. View them as in Christ and dead, with Christ in his death and risen with him in his resurrection. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's not a condition, that's a conclusion. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. I'm going to quote Baxter Kruger again. Let's put it up. It is not about you inviting Jesus into your life. It is about Jesus already including you in his. Lectio Divina. Anybody ever heard that term? Lectio Divina, and sorry, there's a misspelling on the slide. Or some pronounce it Lectio Divina. Lectio, if you're a good Italian, you'd say it with a little bit of sing-song. Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina is the slow, imaginative, prayerful reading of the text, scriptures using it for conversation, not education. This is how we are invited to read our Bibles. Not for education, not not to tear it apart and be technical and legal. It's It's not a constitution. The Bible is not a constitution. It's not about moral right and wrong and what you believe and what you have to believe in order to get into the afterlife. We don't view things that way anymore. Why? Because it all died in Christ. I'm talking about identity and now I'm moving into content. What should the content of your prayer look like? First of all, always use the Bible for conversation. We insert ourselves into the text conversationally, experientially. Let me show you an image here. Here's Lectio Divina by by image. We read, we meditate. We pray, we contemplate. Go to the right. We start with Lectio. We read, we meditate, we pray, We contemplate. Now, the Catholics, look at this next image here. The Catholics inserted one. (laughs) They inserted a step. Number one, invite the Holy Spirit into, to guide you in the reading of Scripture. Well, that's not an altogether bad idea. Bless you, my Catholic brothers. I just, I want to stay away from this idea that we have to Get God to come. God, 
doesn't need to be invited to come. You are the temple he lives in. You don't invite him to come. He's there. A better way maybe to start your time of prayer if, if you're sensitive to Holy Spirit. It's, his name is not the Holy Spirit, by the way. Did you know that? It's Holy Spirit. We call God, God, the Father. We call the Son, God the Son, or the Son, right? Son of, Son of God. It's not the Holy Spirit, like some sort of inanimate object or power, force. The force will be with you. If you invite him to come, the force will be with you. Nonsense. He lives in us. He's transformed us already because we died already and we rose already. Therefore, if we are in Christ, conclusion, not, not uh, conditioned, thank you very much, conclusion, not conditioned, then we're already new and so he invites us to the place of prayer to be what? Contemplative, meditative, upon what he's already doing in our lives. You see, with Lectio Divina as your process in prayer, there'll be a lot less urgent asking and reaching and compelling and, oh God, if you would, and I just don't have enough faith or patience. Nonsense. You have all the faith and all the patience you need. They're fruit of the Spirit. You're full of the Holy Spirit. Yield to the process of Lectio Divina where you read and you meditate, you pray, and you contemplate. The traditional monastic practice of scripture reading, meditation, and prayer intended to promote communion with God. It does not treat scripture as text to be studied, but as the living word. I love this. And not until recent years was my view of the Bible otherwise. I always viewed it as a text to be studied. I had to dissect it and pull it apart and it was a legal constitution by which I had to live right and craft my life and bring my morals into line with. <laughs> and now, I read the Bible in a much different way. And the roots of this scriptural reflection and interpretation go all the way back to Origen, a church father in the third century. We're talking just 150 years after the death of Christ. 150, 200 years after the last apostle died. I mean, he, Origen, one of the great church fathers, he somewhat founded and initiated Lectio Divina. A key contribution to the foundation of it came from Origen who said this, scripture should be viewed as a sacrament. In a letter to Greg Gregory of Nasarea, Origen wrote this and I quote, when you devote yourself to divine reading, Seek the meaning of divine words which is hidden from most people 
end quote. Origen believed that the Word, or the Logos, was incarnate in Scripture and could therefore touch and teach readers and hearers. So Origen taught that the reading of Scripture could help move us beyond elementary thoughts and discover the higher wisdom in the Word of God. Who am I talking about? Not the Bible. The Bible is not the Word of God. Do you understand that? The Bible is not the Word of God. Jesus is. The Bible is Scripture. The Bible is a collection, 66 books, of Scripture and poems and prophecies and writings. Influence breathed upon by God. And Origen believed that it should be taken as a sacrament, believing that God supernaturally touches us as we read it. He said this, in this view of this major interpretation, I'll, I'll go back, Origen's approach to reading scripture was like this, the major interpretive element of scripture is Christ. Not how you were raised, not what your denomination teaches, not what you learned in Bible school or Bible college. The major interpretive element of Scripture is Christ. I shared with you a quote by Brian Zahn last week. The question isn't, is it biblical? You can prove wars through the Bible. You can prove that a women caught in adultery should be stoned to death. You can prove the holding of slaves. You can prove all kinds of things through the Bible. The question isn't, is it biblical? The question is, is it Christ-like? And Origen agreed with that. He founded that principle. So in his view of Scripture texts, the text is secondary to the Christ, he said. And any revelations you receive must refer to Christ as the Word of God. In this view, using Christ as the interpretive key. Put that up. Let's, please, read it aloud with me. Ready? Read. Using Christ as the interpretive key unlocks the message in Scripture texts. So Origen said... The focus of Lectio Divina is not a theological analysis of Bible passages, but viewing them with Christ as their key to meaning. So here's an example. Jesus' statement in John's Gospel, chapter 14, and verse 27, peace I leave with you, peace I give you. Well, my former approach to that would have been very analytical, would have been to dissect it, find out the reason for the statement during the Last Supper, the biblical text and context of it. Oh my gosh, and I used to build messages off of all that. In Lectio Divina, the practitioner enters and shares the peace of Christ rather than dissecting it. You see, it's all about the conversation. Whenever you are reading your Bible, whatever the passage might be, first key to interpretation, is it Christ-like? What and how are you finding the Christ in the passage? Secondly, insert yourself into the text. Don't dissect it. <laughs> 
Don't read it legally as a constitution. Pray it. Meditate it. Contemplate on the peace of Christ that that is mine right now. And so, frankly, and in response to some of the engagement earlier regarding the question we posed, greater peace? I understand. But my response to that is, insert yourself into the peace of Christ where he said, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. My peace. Do you think Jesus was rushed when he prayed? Do you think Jesus was conflicted when he prayed? Do you think Jesus ever prayed any prayer where he thought, oh man, I wonder if God heard that. Ah, dang. I just didn't have enough faith on that. I wonder if I said that the right way. I need to find a different way to say that so God really hears me. (laughs) Oh, my life, my whole ministry was built for so many years, decades, on that kind of system regarding prayer. It's good to be free. Oh, it's so good to be free. Lectio Divina. We don't pray to acquire. We don't worship in order to arrive at a destination. I share in it. I don't dissect it anymore. My goal isn't to analyze it like a constitution. Now it's to commune and participate with the living Holy Spirit who's already present I don't even need to invite him. If you're inviting him, at least do it in this context. Man, my head is a mess right now. Oh, my feelings are all over the place. Holy Spirit, come peel those onion layers away. Man, get down to the center of where I'm really at today. Okay, gotcha. Understand that. But he doesn't need to come from somewhere, some distant heaven that you need to get him to come from. So my goal now is not to analyze and dissect, it's to commune and to participate. I met a couple of weeks ago with a church builder. Now, this isn't a physical building buildings, although he has done that. He's a a church growth specialist. He advises and mentors churches and their leadership on best practice to help them move forward. And... uh, I wasn't pursuing him for such advice. He had visited our church service, and as a visitor, I uh, chatted with him for a little bit and said, why why don't we go to lunch? I'd love to just find out more about your story, and so we did. He made the most fascinating statement that I wrote down right then. I stopped him, and I said, let me write that down because it's going to wind up in a message. (laughs) Hi, Adam. He said this, when I first started going to church, or when I first, excuse me, when I first started as a Christian, after first acknowledging God and Christ, and I received him as my savior, the window was filled with light. My life, life's window was filled with light. Then I started attending church. And slowly the window started being painted in. 
I thought, oh, Jesus. This is so true for so many. The window was wide open. It was bright. Light was coming in. But you started going to church. Nina, would you come and share the morning's prayer requests with us and then we're all going to pray together as Nina shares these requests with us and then we'll have a corporate prayer as well and Nina has a couple of announcements. There we are. This morning, I received a, we received a prayer request from Cindy for her mom, whose husband just passed away, and she's having anxiety attacks, ending up in the hospital. You know, anxiety attacks mimic heart attacks. So, we want to pray for her. That's Barbara, for Carol, who's having surgery this Thursday because she's having a mass removed that's on her shoulder. For Taylin, um, currently uh, the situation is that the uh, she has nerve damage from all that's happened the past months and it's causing pain. We want to pray about that. Plus, she does go home this week, and so this is going to be a huge transition for the whole family. We keep praying for that. Um, and I'm kind of looking. I, I keep a list from week to week to week, and I'm kind of looking. Pam, how's your aunt? She's hanging in there. Okay. And I know that... Um, there have been a couple of deaths and Mary's family and friendships and their families, I'm sure, are still needing prayer. And then Kathy and Jack's granddaughter, Karsten, who had that cancer lump removed, uh, had some problem with it this week, the actual surgical spot. And so we want to con keep, continue to keep her in prayer. Am I missing any? that anyone wanted me to pray for. And if you have a last minute prayer request, you can either text it or you can put it in the chat window as well, which I'm still monitoring. If uh, I think that's anybody else, I'm, I'm not seeing anything. I think that's it for today that we're praying for. Okay. okay. Are we going to go ahead and pray now? or? Let's do that and then I will close um, with a, a corporate prayer and you can make the announcements. Okay, great. Right. Okay. Well, Father, we thank you that you're good at turning things around. We're just going to grab a hold of that word from this morning. I know we can see throughout scripture where you turned so many things around, so many miracles. And uh, so, Father, for each one of these prayer requests, oh, for Tammy, who's at home not feeling well today, also we include you, Tammy. For each, each person, whether the need is big or small, we thank you that you're involved, you're working on their behalf. We thank you for your healing power in the bodies of those who need healing. And we thank you, Father, for your help for the families that are um, going through difficulty, perhaps grieving. We thank you for your help for them, for Taylin's family as they bring her home now after 75 days in the hospital, Lord. We pray that you just continue to put all the pieces together uh, for their, their lives now as they move, continue to move forward. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, 
You're, you're a good, good father, and we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, everyone, if you would, we're going to put a prayer up that we have been praying over these weeks. And I'd invite you to pray it aloud with us right now. Let's pray. Lord, place us in the text of Scripture rather than the certainty of a constitution. Open our eyes to see the conversation, the story, the predicament, the spirit, and the incredible community of people who keep bumping into the living God. May we be a people who, even in the midst of experiencing setbacks, disappointment, and messiness, are best of all of people who are growing in trust of Jesus and one another. Cause us to see what you see, to feel what you feel about your church. Increase our faith that we can be part of making a difference, even starting anew. Amen. For those of you in the live stream, once again, we want to thank you for being a part. Nina's going to share a couple of announcements. We also have some things regarding Easter that are coming up. Uh, she'll mention the Easter.